Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's great to have you here. I really appreciate you taking the time and effort and energy to spend with me on this show. Each week, I try to bring to you ideas and thoughts about how to perform better, how to get healthier, how to be more creative, how to learn faster, basically help you to be an elite high performer if you want to go down that road. And this week, I'm really excited to bring you an interview that I did with my friend Peter Cates. Over the past decade, Peter's seen his albums debut at number one on the iTunes singer-songwriter charts. He has shared the stage and studio with the likes of Academy Award winner Glenn Hansard, Juno Award winners The Good Lovelies, Polaris Prize-nominated Melissa McClelland, and the legendary Garth Hudson from the band. He has toured all over the world, playing regularly to capacity crowds, and has managed to build an impressive fan base of loyal listeners. The London Free Press described one of his concerts as, quote-unquote, try listening without getting goosebumps. I think you'll agree once you learn a little bit more about Peter in this interview. To give you a sense of what Peter's all about, he's been quoted as saying the following, if you want to make something that's like nothing you've made before, then you have to shake yourself up, go beyond what's comfortable and known, and let yourself feel disoriented, overwhelmed, even intimidated. Those moments when you lose your bearings are where you're forced to sink or swim, and the moments when you have an opportunity to rise to the occasion, to surprise yourself, to do the things you didn't know you could do. That's what making this album was for me. I'm so proud of the process, and I'm so proud of the result. That's him describing one of his albums that he's released. In this conversation, we talk about creativity, learning, uh, pushing through, even though you may not necessarily feel like it. And I think there's some tremendous insights here that can benefit everybody. So without any further delays... Let's jump into this conversation with singer, songwriter, musician, Peter Cates. Peter, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Where am I finding you today? I'm happy to say that I'm at home. I uh, just got nice. back from Seattle and uh, I'm very happy to be in my own little space here. Very cool. So what does life look like right now for you? What are you doing? What's going on? What are you excited about? What's, uh, what's, what's happening in life at the moment? Well, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting time at this exact moment because, you know, I, I spent almost 15 years like sort of nonstop playing 150 to 200 shows a year as a touring singer-songwriter. Um, and then I fell off a cliff um, a couple years ago and uh, broke my ankle and couldn't go anywhere. Oh, so you like literally actually fell off a cliff. That's I literally I fell off a cliff, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but I guess people say that as, you know, I emotionally yeah. fell off a cliff. But I actually, I fell down a cliff, basically. Okay, I, cool. I, I, do, I do this mentoring work with teenagers every summer and... Uh, I didn't hook in properly to this repelling device and uh, fell. Uh, anyway, so that uh, obviously ground everything to a halt and it wasn't possible to, to you know, do everything that I was doing in my music career. And at the same time, um, I was you know, in the thick of working on a new album that is a big departure from anything I've ever done in the past. Um, and at the same time, people started asking me to speak, which I was able to do, even though, you know, I was injured. 
And so my speaking career just kind of happened. Uh, obviously, I put a lot of care and attention into it, but it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and so right now, I'm in this interesting moment where that album is, is finished and it's ready to be launched. And, uh, you know, there's some really, really exciting uh, release partners and potentials that are happening around it. And my speaking work has, you know, I've just fallen in love with that work and it's, it's, it's become a huge part of what I do. Um, and so it's an interesting time of, okay, how's this, how does this all come together in one holistic way? Interesting. So you got to balance like two huge opportunities basically and figure out how to navigate that through to like this new life that all actually came out of this weird, you know, literally falling off of a cliff moment. It's kind of bizarre how that happens. Like these new opportunities present themselves when, you know, your, your life literally in your case goes off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was asking myself, you know, when, when I, because, you know, it wasn't just a cliff. It was also my, I, I signed a new management deal on, on the music side and my new managers, um, you know, they wanted me to kind of disappear a little bit in the music realm just because, you know, when you're doing 150, 200 shows a year, I was sort of known as like this traveling troubadour kind of singer songwriter. You can see him anywhere. You could see him in a living room. You can see him, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, he's coming to town. It's like, oh yeah, of course he's here again. Um, and so they, they wanted me to kind of disappear so that there would be the opportunity to, to rebrand and, and say like, hey, maybe you've, you think you know Peter Katz's music, but you know, he's, he's doing something different. Um, so that sort of happened at the same time. And I literally couldn't go anywhere because the, the, the cliff thing happened around that same time. So you know, I was like asking myself, uh, how am I going to survive? Uh, <laughs> and, and then speaking, you know, really started to bubble up around that time and, and, and allowed me to survive and also became this really, it was a revelation to me that I could connect with an audience in the same way that I did through my music career. Uh, I thought the only format that I could sort of have that, you know, emotional connection with people was standing on a play on a stage, you know, playing songs in the format of a show. And then I did my first talk, which of course I do stand on the stage and sing songs, but there's way more talking and, you know, there's maybe three songs over the course of an hour. But yet when I would stand at the back of the room afterwards, I'd have the same emotional reaction from people. And I was like, oh, it's not so much about the format. It's more about like the content and the intention and the kind of emotional nature of it that's that's connecting with people um and and yeah and it literally just rose and allowed me to take two years to finish the record in the way that i wanted it allowed me to you know take a little bit of time off to to heal from my injury and and now it's 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 sort of teed me up to to be able to do the music thing that I really want to do, but the speaking thing has become such a such a powerful force in my life that I, I got to sort of figure out how they all work together. But I, I think they do really work together um, because my my kind of currency as a speaker, I think, uh, depends on me doing my musical life. You know that that's kind of my calling card. Like the music thing is the hardest thing that I do. It challenges me the most. It gives me the most stories and life anecdotes and then then i get to speak about it so the more that i'm doing my music career i think the more currency i have as a speaker yeah amazing so we were talking before we clicked record about 
music being your laboratory and speaking being where you present the results. Exactly. Yeah. My, my friend uh, Blake, another amazing speaker came up with that analogy. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, when you are in the lab, tell me about what's going on in the lab, the creative aspects of that. Like how do you, when you were making this new album, mm-hmm. what's the process around that? I'm a huge fan of music. I love listening to music, but I can't write or play music. So I'm very interested in things I cannot do. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say I can't do. I just have never dedicated any time to figuring it out, which is why I'm sort of hacking the process to ask you instead of trying to figure it out for myself. Um, but what does that look like? You said it's hard. You said it's challenging. What does the laboratory process look like for you when you're creating music? I mean, it's, it's sort of evolved over the years. You know, for years and years and years, it was me with a guitar in a room. And part of my writing process, which continues to this day, has been setting parameters of like holding myself hostage to the song. You know, so I, I literally put things in place like, okay, I'm sitting on this couch right now. I'm not allowed to stand up from this couch until I have a first draft of the lyrics. I I wrote a song of mine called Driving a Dream with that exact parameter. And I sat on that couch for six hours and I had to (laughs) pee. But, you know, I just forced it out. And then I ended up with a song that's, it's a a song that I often do in in my talks now. Um, And had I not forced myself uh, I don't know that it it would have happened. You know, I think there's this there's this sense that as a creative, you know, you just you're like visited by the gods and and you're just floating on a cloud and the song just pours through you. And I would say, you know, one in two hundred songs <laughs> happen that way, and it's amazing when it does. But a lot of it for me is just a, a discipline and setting these these parameters of if the song is coming. I have to force myself to to stick with it at least until you have a first draft because it's really easy to like write a chorus and write a verse and you're like okay that's great I'll come back to it but you never come back to it or it it's, it just makes it a lot harder for yourself whereas if you write a whole thing that has a beginning a middle and an end even if your the second verse is terrible once you have that initial output, you can kind of go back and put on more of your craftsman hat afterwards. Um, but you need enough raw materials to work with to be able to shape um, from that initial outpouring um, in order to get it done. So I, I would say that that aspect of forcing myself to finish things has remained a constant. Um, but I got a little... Um, you know, I found that just writing me in a room alone playing guitar, I would, I would end up doing the same thing. And so the evolution then, the first evolution was I started writing on the piano. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, I call myself like a Neil Young piano player. So there's no, there's no like virtuosic uh, piano playing, not to uh, disparage Neil Young, but um, just changing modalities all of a sudden opened up a new, new realm of, of writing for me. And then I started co-writing, um, which was putting myself in a room generally with, you know, other, other writers, but the, the roles that we would typically play would they would generally, I would write with other producers. Um, so they would be building up, um, you know, musical tracks and I would be focusing on lyrics and melody. And a lot of my new record, I wrote 60 songs for the new record. There's, there's 10 or 11 that I think are gonna be on the record. Um, 
but I wrote like in ways that I never wrote before where, you know, I didn't have a guitar in my hand necessarily. I just had, you know, pen and paper or my laptop open and I would say like, Hey, I'm really into this, this song, you know, like we, we I remember was one song we wrote, I was, we were listening to Beyonce's uh, Sorry from her Lemonade album. It's just like really dark, like rich textured song and, you know, completely out of the mode of acoustic singer songwriter. But so we focused in on the rhythm track and we listened to the drums and we listened to the bass and, you know, he built up a, a, a drum and bass track kind of inspired from that. And then I started writing lyrics, which just sent me totally into a, a, a writing process that I never would have come to if I was just sitting there with an acoustic guitar, you know, playing GCD. Um, I never would have written the way that I wrote. And, and so the new album just is, it just kind of tears the roof off as far as, you know, what I can and can't do. And I think a lot of it has just been putting myself in these, in these different modalities where my brain had to operate in a different way. That's super interesting. So we've got the discipline around crafting the raw elements, mm -hmm. then you can shift into a, a crafting mode, but you also mentioned changing modalities from PR, guitar to piano to pen and paper, uh, and then also changing who you're with from alone mm -hmm. to co-writing producers to other musicians. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting that when you break that apart and start doing things differently, well, actually it's not, I mean, insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. I suppose right. insanity is also then, you know, doing something different and expecting the same results. So you change things up, did something different and got something different out of it. That's really interesting because it's so easy to get stuck in what you, what has given you success up to that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of anxiety that goes along with with changing it up like that. Hmm. So I think maybe something that I didn't mention is, I also feel like uh, sort of losing the the preciousness around it, like. I really shifted, some of it has to do with volume, you know, it's just, like I said, I wrote 60 songs. And so each song as I was writing it, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, is this gonna be the single? Is this the song that's gonna change my life? It's like, it's like no, no I'm just writing a song here, you know? And mm -hmm. you kind of you take stock of it afterwards. And, and like, you kind of look at the pile afterwards and see, you know, which ones seem the shiniest to you. Um, but you, 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 a lot of, creation is is turning off your brain um and 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 just like being in the work versus analyzing the work as you're creating it um so i think part of part of that an important piece for me has just been volume just like showing up and doing it and writing and creating and putting myself in different rooms and not seeing it as like oh my gosh is this the thing as more as just like, no, I'm a, I'm a writer. This is what I do. Okay. I'm with this person today. Hey, here's a crazy idea. Um, you know, let's try this one. And that, that, that song that I referenced, you know, where we, we kind of were inspired that by that Beyonce song, um, you know, that we literally, we had written, I was working with the same guy, this guy, Rich Jackson in LA is amazing, amazing guy. And, um, we had written, I think, like six songs in a week. And we, you know, we had just gone crazy writing all these songs. And it was like, okay, this is our last day. Let's just do something totally 
totally left field and it doesn't matter and we're just going to have fun with it and that, that's the song that we ended up doing and sure enough like that's the song that you know different music companies and stuff that we're talking to now that's the one that they love the most because it's it's the most almost free um and it, it sort of catches people's attention so uh, yeah i think i think kind of trying to take the preciousness out of the process is, is another piece of it that's really interesting. And again, I'm just going to play stuff back to you because I'm trying to understand and learn. Yeah. Um, creativity is being in the work as you're doing it versus mm -hmm. analyzing the work as you're doing it. That enabled you to get rid of this anxiety and perhaps even if I may put words into your mouth, uh, the removal of the fear of failure. Funny enough, that enabled you to feel the freest in that moment and led to mm -hmm. the possibly the most the, the most creative piece of, of work that came out of the discipline of the previous five days. Am I playing that back right? Yeah, 100%. And it, interestingly, once we had broken through and come up with that realm, uh, that, you know, that, that song that kind of lived in this new realm, it allowed me to then write more, uh, like all of a sudden the bar of like what's crazy was raised and it was like, okay, well, that's kind of normal now. Now, where do we go? Um, you know, like I do this mentoring work with teenagers in the summertime, and we always use the analogy of, of like rock climbing, you know, like you, you're trying to find your next handhold and you feel like, oh my gosh, there's nothing there. There's no possibilities. And you finally get it and you step up. And then all of a sudden there's a whole new set of possibilities now standing on that new level that you've stepped up to. Um, and so I sort of feel like that's also been part of the process is, is as soon as I was willing to kind of be like, okay, I don't, I don't know what kind of a writer I am. And, and saying that in, in a positive way in that, in that it opens up all possibilities. Um, it, 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 writing that song then allowed me to, to do more in that vein or go other places and sort of, um, you know, take off these limitations that I had imposed on myself um, as to, you know, what kind of songs am I allowed to write? Yeah, like you're raising the bar of what's considered to be crazy. You're totally, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And how does that help? How did that, if, can you like deconstruct and think backwards? Like how did that help you to remove the limitations that you had been placing on yourself? Why do you think we have, why do you think we do that to ourselves? Why do we place these limitations? And then as soon as we've broken through and we've raised the bar of what's crazy, all of a sudden we see all these other opportunities. We can't believe that we were stuck back there. Mm. But when you're back there, that's all that you can see. It's so weird how that happens. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm just going with the first thing that comes to mind, but the first thing that came up for me is, you know, when I first started as a songwriter, I did, I, you sort of just do what you do naturally. You know, you're not, you're, like when I first started writing songs, I didn't even think I was going to be a songwriter. I just, you know, like playing acoustic guitar and for whatever reason, when I had acoustic guitar in my hand, I, I just started writing. Um, but I sort of, in a very micro way became known for a certain kind of thing. You know, I became known for, you know, writing these emotional songs about like a heavy topic. And, and so I sort of got feedback that, Oh, you do this really well. So then I was like, okay, I better keep doing more of that. Um, and to then break out of that, I think is a scary thing. So I think probably the thing that holds, was holding me back, like holds all of us back, you know, is, is this, this fear of, um, you know, what if, like, if I don't do that, is it, is it going to be liked? Is it going to be appreciated? Is it going to be whatever? So part of the shift for me, I think was just, well, one, 
asking myself like what 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 kind of music do I love um and and I don't know like basically allowing myself to make the kind of music that I love like like what 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 happens if I want to just make something that sounds like something that I would want to put on not that I've decided okay this is this is what Peter Katz is supposed to be and therefore I, I must write music like this but um like so for example I I went through a, like a you know beyond falling a cliff like a few years prior to that I, I went through a divorce you know and like just a huge huge change in my life and I literally could not listen to like sad acoustic music I just I just couldn't do it yeah. um, and uh and the music <laughs> that really got me through that time um because I really got into running you know because running was the running was like no matter what was going on I would always feel better when I went for a run I got so into running I was listening to like dance and pop music like and I loved it and so I fell in love with this music, but I never thought that I was allowed to write that kind of music because I had this notion of like, no, no, I'm the I'm the the sad folky solo acoustic guy, and and so I don't know whether it was a mix of you know surviving my divorce and surviving falling off a cliff or just this sort of sense of like, okay, literally my some of my biggest fears have come true, and I'm still alive. So what the hell? <laughs> like maybe I can just go for it. But I just, I fell in love with this music and I was like, what, what happens if I'm allowed to write music like this? Um, so I don't know, is it, is it a mindset shift? Is it, is it a, well, I've got nothing left to lose, so I'm just going to go for it. I, I, I don't know that I've sort of psychoanalyzed it, but I just freed myself up. And then in the doing of it, it kind of shifted my mindset. You know, I, I just finished the, uh, Neil Pisricha's uh, The Happiness Equation last night and, and on the plane home. And, and, you know, he talks about, you know, we tend to want to like think about something and plan it out and make sure that we're good at it and then we do it. Whereas if you just do it, then you get better at it and you discover your love for it. And, and the, the actual like putting the cart before the horse is actually kind of a good thing. Um, and, and that's what actually makes you better at it and you grow. And sorry, Neil, if I'm, if I'm you know, bastardizing your book here but essentially it was about the doing you know so i think just writing some of those songs um not putting the pressure on myself of like okay this needs to be on my album but just hey i'm gonna make music like this because i want to and it's fun and i'm in love with this kind of music now um that kind of set the process in motion interesting and um, neil's been on this show in fact i think he was like two episodes ago so um good timing with regards to mentioning his book again uh, i'm sure he'll appreciate that and a couple times now we've sort of landed on overcoming obstacles so you've talked about your divorce and surviving the divorce and falling off of a cliff and and a surviving that be recovering from that and then obviously both of those so when it comes to overcoming these obstacles in your life you mm -hmm. mentioned running, you mentioned how it's affected your creativity and where you lean uh, in, in what you're doing and the type of work that you do. It's super integrated. And mm. is there, did you get any insights from going through that? Like now that you're looking back on it, was, were there critical inflection moments? Was there anything that you did that changed the trajectory that allowed you to recover, that allowed you to keep moving forwards? Like how did that play out? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's always an ongoing process and recalibration, but it was a fundamental, uh, 
so first of all, my biggest fear in my life was getting divorced uh, and losing my home. Like my parents got divorced when I was 12 years old and I lost my childhood home. And I said to myself, I'm never getting divorced and I'm never like, I'm going to find a home and I'm going to, it'll be my home forever. And uh, lo and behold, I got divorced and I lost this home that we had that I love so much. And so like, that's a powerful thing to, to have your biggest, biggest, biggest fear come true. Um, and, you know, there was even a month after I, I had to move out of the house because, um, you know, there was houses being sold and, and I actually had, had nowhere to live for a month. Um, and part of that time I ended up, my, my, my former manager, his, his uh, wife's parents had this cabin and I went to this cabin and, and the first like 48 hours, I, I just like drank and was sad, you know, yeah. and then <laughs> and I had, and I had this moment, I was like, is this what I'm going to do? Like, am I going <laughs> to, I was like, is this how this is going to play out? And so I like threw out the, the bottle of bourbon that I bought or whatever it was. And I was like, no, like I'm going to, I basically, I, I consciously said to myself, I was like, okay, this is a really big moment in my life. This is a really hard moment. And I said, I at least want to go through this really hard time and have it teach me every possible lesson that it's supposed to teach me, you know? So I was like, okay, what do you want to teach me? Um, and so I kind of threw myself into that process. So, you know, part of the things that I did is obviously threw myself into my creativity. Um, like one of the things I did at that, you know, cabin was I, I, I learned Pro Tools, which is like the recording software, kind of like the industry standard. Hmm. And uh, a friend of mine had, had uh, gotten married and I had played Halo, not to only talk about Beyonce, but it was actually a funny thing. He, his, uh, him, he called me up one day and he said, you know, my wife and I, we really want you to play our wedding. I was like, oh gosh, I'm so honored. Like, you know, what Peter Katz song would you like to hear? <laughs> like, no, we want Beyonce. So anyway, so I ended up like coming up with this arrangement of, of uh, Halo uh, for their wedding. I played at their wedding and they really loved it. And, and so I was learning Pro Tools at, at this cabin and I was like, okay, I'm going to like, it's their one year anniversary is coming up. I'm going to do a recording of Halo and send it to them. And that'll be like me learning Pro Tools and also like a gift for my friend. Um, who's, you know, he's also done all of my videos and art and he's, you know, awesome, awesome artist, Justin Broadbent. Um, so anyway, so I did, I did this Halo recording, which ended up being like my most successful thing I've ever put out. And I had no intention behind it other than like giving it to my friend. Um, and, you know, the, the other things that I like threw myself into is like, you know, I, I went to therapy. Um, I got into meditation. I obviously got into running, like I already mentioned, which since my ankle injury, I've now gone into long distance walking because um, it's not so good for my ankle. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I've really tried to, um, I've tried to like really throw myself into the process of, of like kind of like becoming awake for the first time in my life. Because I think so much of my energy was based on avoidance, you know, like, like, of not getting divorced, of not losing my house, of like holding on, that when I lost it all, it sort of opened up this, this realm of, okay, like maybe I don't know who I am in a good way. Because if, if I don't know who I am in a good way, 
I guess I already said this earlier, then it creates all this possibility. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess if you're asking like some of the habits, like I basically, you know, reduced my drinking by 95%. I prioritized my sleep. Um, I don't sleep with my phone by my bed anymore. Um, I, uh, you know, a physical activity of some kind, whether that's yoga, whether that's going for long walks, whether that's working out at the gym is like an absolute must for me. Um, I generally don't schedule any meetings before 12 o'clock so that, you know, from the time I wake up until noon, I can do things like physical exercise. I can do things like meditation. I can, um, you know, write, just kind of have these, this, this morning space where my self-care is, is really the priority. Um, and, and so I kind of layered all of those things into my life, uh, just to kind of give myself a, a, a fighting chance, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, create space where, uh, I'm not in that kind of anxious, got to build something state, but I'm in a, a state of like, Oh, here I am in the world and what's possible. <laughs> Very cool. What is possible these days? Like what, tell me about this new album. Tell me about this new role. Let's some sort of trying to pull it back to full circle and you know, what can we expect? What, what are you excited about with this? And you know, where do you feel like things are going at the moment? Well, I, I, you know, like we, we chatted about briefly, you know, before we, we started this conversation, like it's, it's a really, really interesting time because I've worked, you know, just doggedly for you know well over a decade at, at the music career you know literally thousands of shows um all so that i could you know really take a shot and you know knock on wood but it seems like there's 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 some possibilities that are unfolding that 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 could be really great and give me a shot in a, in a bigger way than i've ever had before um uh so I just want to stop there and like highlight that. So you've played yeah. thousands of shows, 10 yes. years, and now you're getting your real opportunity. Like the, the breakthrough moment is possibly in play after 10 years and thousands of shows. That is so not unusual in right. the people that have been on this podcast and the people that I know. I just wanted to like pause there and like highlight that because that's so cool that you stuck with it for that long and worked on your craft that much that now it's starting to really click. Very cool. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, and you never know, like I used to get really excited about like music business things and I just, I just don't generally get excited anymore and not, not in a cynical kind of way, but I sort of see like, no matter what happens, my job doesn't change in, in a good way. Like I got to write, better and better songs. I got to play better and better shows. I got to like be a better and better artist. And, you know, even if every opportunity comes my way, like every night that you walk out on stage, you, you, you know, you kind of start at zero and you have to create something. And, mm -hmm. and, and if you want to have currency, um, you have to like be writing always. And, and so, um, but part of like, part of the battle for those many, 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 many years of, you know, that I've been in my music career is, is you're just trying to get people to take you seriously. You know, like, like in the early days of touring, I just, just to like have a venue 
where there was a sound person who like cared and there was like some basic lighting and there wasn't a baseball game on the screen behind you and there was maybe 10 people that wanted to listen like that was success um and and you couldn't even reach that sometimes you know um so for for so many years it was just like can i even just do this thing that i've showed up to do um eventually you know that started to happen and you know i my first tour was 2006 and it wasn't until 2015 that I like sold out my shows all across the country. And, you know, we're talking like two, 300 people, but where, you know, I could walk out on stage, the people were there to see me. I had had a proper sound check. There was proper lighting. I had, I was touring with a sound person. I had proficient musicians on stage with me and we could put on the show that we had intended to, to put on. Um, like that took 10 years. Um, and then now it's like, okay, if I really close my eyes and say, okay, what, what, if I can dream of the show that I want to put on, like if I really allow myself to remove some of those limitations of like, okay, well, this is what I have to do because I can only get 200 people out, or this is what I have to do because, you know, this, this, these are the kind of venues I can get into. But if it's like, okay, what if, I have access to, you know, whatever lighting I want and whatever production I want. And, and I can put a thousand people in a room or 2000 people in a room or 10,000 people in a room um, and really kind of dream of like what that night could look like. Like I actually did my degree in theater, you know? And so I, I think in terms of lighting, I think in terms of like of staging, I think in terms of like building these moments and these arcs and these, these little like chapters within a show, if I'm allowed to think about all of those things, like what does that look like? Um, so my hope is that, you know, if with some of these potential partners, again, you never know, ultimately like the general public needs to love what you're doing, um, uh, or at least a niche, a critical enough people in, in the, out there need to, you know, latch onto it. Um, but if, if that's possible, then what does that look like? You know, and that's sort of the realm that I'm kind of dreaming in now. Um, and, you know, remains to be seen, but part of it is kind of the field of dreams. Like if you build it, they will come. Like the album that I've just made, it doesn't sound like an album that's meant to live in a little club for 200 people. It just doesn't sound mm -hmm. like that. It sounds like an album that is, has a bigger scope to it that you can dance to that like it has an energy um to it that just is meant to be bigger um and i think i'm excited to see i know that i could do it if given the opportunity and i've i've teed myself up as much as possible to create that opportunity and i'm, I'm like dreaming in that realm and now we'll see you know we've attracted some people that have done that with other artists and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Amazing, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Where can people follow this journey? If they want to learn more about you and want to check out some of your music, where can they go to learn a bit more about you? 
Well, Peter Katz, K-A-T-Z.com is always kind of the central hub. Um, and I also, I just launched PeterKatzSpeaks.com too, which is, you know, my speaking career. Although I'm, I might, I'm really trying to get those two things to work together. You know, like, like you said, you know, speaking music careers, laboratory speaking careers where I present my results, but those two places. And then also, you know, Instagram, Peter Katz music, um, it's all there. Uh, yeah. So those, those are the places. All right. Come to a show. Yeah. (laughs) Come to a show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you're in the middle of sort of getting ready to launch. So I know that you're busy. So we appreciate you taking a few moments to come on the show with us and uh, maybe we'll do this again right after um, the album is out and we can hear a little bit of music. That'd be awesome. Well, thank you, Greg. I really uh, appreciate what you're doing and you know, you know how I feel about you. I've told you many times that just think you're awesome. And so it's a pleasure to be on here. Cool. Thanks buddy. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks so much for listening in. If you did enjoy that conversation, please share it with your network. I would greatly appreciate it. Hit subscribe. That makes a massive difference for us. And let us know what you thought of the interview uh, anywhere on social, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever works for you. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you again really, really soon.